Thank you for listening to another episode of Pin the Q Podcast. We're preserving the culture and traditions of the fire service is our priority. For more information, visit www.pintheq.com and subscribe to Pin the Q Productions on YouTube. It's our honor to showcase the best of the bravest. Welcome back to the show here in Atlantic City at the airport, and I'm here with the chief, who will give us a little more insight into the operational side of the fire department here uh, with the Air Force. So, chief, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me today. I appreciate it very much. Uh, chief, tell everybody who you are. My name is Senior Master Sergeant Joe Sparatio. I'm an installation fire chief here at the 177th. So, chief, talk to me a little bit about uh, pretty much the day-to-day operations of a firefighter here at the, at the base. We had the 48-hour shifts. We uh, make sure we have our truck check out every morning. We hold a roll call, get a good pass on from the shift before. And our biggest concern is making sure the mission here with F-16s is covered. The firefighter starts off his shift that morning, will come get his gear out, go to his morning brief with off going shift and his supervisor, right. see what his truck assignment is for today, go out there, check out that apparatus, talk to his other crew on his truck, see what the daily details, daily trainings involved. Most importantly, they'll see what they're doing that day for their uh, lunch and dinner. Right. Uh, it's very, a very uh, important thing. <laughs> it is a very important thing. Right, right. We got to maintain the mission 24 seven. Right. So there's constant things that go through, through the day. So to talk about how important it is, uh, your mission here, especially with the F-16s on location. I mean, that's, that's a tremendous amount of responsibility for, for the fire department. Talk to me a little bit about that. Like, how do you talk, tell your firefighters as chief about that responsibility? So they understand the whole reason why we're here is to maintain them aircraft flying. Right. So our mission never stops. 365, we always have to maintain the coverage. For an air, aircraft in the air, we're here on the ground. And it doesn't just start you know, stop with that. You also are responsible for any type of fires here as well. I mean, recently you had a, uh, a field fire, brush fire that you guys had to deal with. You That's know, correct. Talk to me about that. So we had a wildland fire just uh, last year at the beginning of the year. Uh, we responded out there with our mutual aid and automatic aid departments. Uh, we did some uh, 
quick tactics and was able to get it under control pretty quick with some back burning from New Jersey Fire Service. Yeah, they're great. And I believe they had it under control in just a few hours. And, and that had uh, some serious potential, right? Because I was heading towards some pretty important buildings. So you guys did a nice job stopping that. They did a great right. job. All crews did and everything was uh, safe and everybody came back to the firehouse. Right. And that was an early morning uh, job, right? It happened like two or three in the morning that happened? That is correct. Yeah, so it's it's something like wake up and go right to work. It's uh, That's just like every other fire service in America. It's, it's the same, same deal. Now here in the Air Force, um, you have firefighters that are obviously, you know, uh, they come back from over, overseas deployment and they come back into the firehouse setting. Is that what we have? That is correct. Yeah. So we have right around 35 okay. drill status guardsmen that have a civilian job and come here one weekend a month Okay, and will do their firefighter duties as a member of the Air National Guard. So it's really awesome for the civilian staff to be able to have training from all over the world, essentially, into one building, one facility, and these guys are working with each other. Um, one of the firefighters I spoke to at the table was telling me that, you know, because of the, the because of the reserve aspect of it, they're firefighters from Boston and all the other cities, major cities, and they all get to work together. So it's got to afford for major training and really good training. Yeah, it brings a lot of different players to the game. Yeah. What are different ways how to skin a cat? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, everybody's trying to tackle the same task. Yeah. So the experience level is above and beyond. Right. What, what's the experience been like for you personally being involved in something like this and as chief? Uh, it's great. Uh, this is the only job I ever had. Uh, I've been in the fire service since I've been 18 years old. Been in Air National Guard since I was 18 years old. Oh, that's cool. Every fireman always starts at step one and then they work their way through the ranks. Yeah. Nobody just comes in here and they're in charge. So yeah. it's an honor serving with everybody. Absolutely. And everybody else does all the work for me. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> when you got good guys like them, your job's real easy. Well, in my opinion, the best leaders are the ones that delegate. So, uh, so again, I, I applaud your efforts and I appreciate more than anything to allow us to be a part of your day and to welcome us into your facility and to your home. So I appreciate it. Well, thank you very much. We really appreciate you guys coming here and interviewing Captain Beckett. Yeah, he's doing, a, he's doing an awesome job. And, and uh, for you, we won't need any subtitles, which is cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, we had it. We heard from the chief here at this facility. Stay with us here. You're going to see some pretty cool stuff coming up. And again, thank you very much, Chief. I appreciate it. Appreciate it, thank sir. Thank you, sir. All right, more coming at you. Welcome back to Pindy Q Productions, Pindy Q Podcast. Uh, really cool episode here at Military Installation. This is our very first one. Adam, I couldn't think of a better person to do it with. So, uh, so welcome to the show. We're in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Uh, clearly, the uh, which is pretty cool, the Jersey Devils. It is. Yeah, it is. it's, it's uh, pretty cool. Synonymous with the area, which is really awesome also. Yep. Um, Adam, you have a pretty interesting story, unlike yeah. anyone else we've ever had on the show, which is uh, the reason you're here, and I think uh, a lot of the unique. folks are going to like this, uh, because you have a pretty unique story. Uh, before you get into that, I know who you are, but why don't you tell everybody who we are. Okay, so uh, Adam Beckett, um, just actually got recently promoted to captain. Uh, Congratulations. At the installation, thank you. Um, 177 Fighter Wing Fire Department. Um, obviously, you can tell from my accent, I'm originally from England. Um, was on the job over there too. Um, so yeah, this is pretty unique. Uh, super excited to be interviewed because I know you've interviewed a lot of, you know, really cool people in the past. Yeah. And now another one. 
Another cool yeah, person. Thanks. Um, you know, from volunteer departments to paid departments to you know people that I actually you know personally, yeah, John Novak. Right, right. You know, so yeah, really cool. So, so, so let's get right into this, Adam. Um, you know, why don't you walk us through how this all kind of started for you? Because uh, in the UK, it's, yep. it's obviously a little different from here. So how did this all start? So uh, I originally joined the fire service in 2000. Um, over there, it's more paid on call. Um, there's not so many volunteer departments as there is here. Right. Um, so paid on call, uh, the customers retained, it's more part-time. Um, and then they still have the full-time station. So I joined, like I said, in 2000. Did two weeks of training and then like three or four weekends and then updated training all the time. Right. Um, started my career in a very quiet rural department. Um, so a lot of like animal rescues, oh, wow. uh, MVAs, bonfires, you know, that sort of thing. Then I actually moved into the edge of the city. Um, different types of incidents we responded to then. You still had the countryside, right. the, the rural part of it, but you actually had the city, you know, the, the fully involved warehouses, the buildings, the bigger buildings, the high rises, you know. So uh, that was for last year Fire and Rescue. Um, I was there for seven years, and while I was actually doing that, I was always trying to get into a full-time position. Right. Um, and I was lucky enough to um, be hired by the Ministry of Defense um, Worked at RAF Alconbury Molesworth. Um, again, great people to work yeah. with, um, great shifts, great stuff. But it was all American equipment, all mostly mostly British people. Uh, all the chiefs were Americans, um, but most of the personnel on the department were actually you know British firefighters. Okay. Uh, went for a 14-week basic to get there. Of that, four weeks of it was crash. Uh, Aircraft oh, rescue, half oh, rescue, right, right, yep. Right. Um, then 2007, um, I made the transition across the pond, as right. you guys call it, and uh, moved to the States. Um, that helped me up a little bit because as soon as I moved over here, uh, green card, citizenship. So I was off the job for five years. And when you're off the job for five years, you actually realize how much you miss yeah. doing what you love to do. So um, part of that time I went down to do a, uh, a firefighter course in South Carolina. Okay. Um, because my certs from overseas weren't recognized for the AF side of things. Um, some of the American certs I did were, but the AF wasn't. Right. Um, so I did that. Um, it was five years before I actually got on again, and I actually applied straight away as soon as I got my citizenship. And uh, so, crazy story, I actually got a job offer, interviewed, got a job offer in Massachusetts, 104th. Um, it's an alert mission. It was Barnes Air National Guard base up in uh, Westfield, Massachusetts. Right. Um, 226 miles round trip um, there. No, sorry, round trip. There, uh, 226 back. So, um, a lot of traveling, went through multiple vehicles. Um, was only gonna do a couple of years up there, ended up doing three years up there. Uh, again, fantastic group of guys, people up there working. Uh, great shifts, great department, learn a lot. Uh, big thanks to a lot of the people up there. Um, so like I said, from 2013 to 2016, I was up there. Then I interviewed for a job in New York State at Stewart. Okay. Um, 
Totally different scenario there, uh, a lot more heavies. The 104th was a fighter wing, F-15s. Um, Stuart Air National Guard Base was uh, C-17, C-5, oh, wow. yeah. C-130, so a lot of the heavies. Right. Uh, they do a lot of refurb on the C-5s up there. Uh, their main aircraft is C-17s. So for me, it was a fantastic experience because you know you got different aircraft and yeah, it was it was really good. And what's interesting about everything you just told me was that you just kind of skimmed right through to, right through that, like. Um, like it was no big deal. You had to yeah. you had to commute a little bit, you know. Like when I think of commuting, I think of like an hour commute to and from work, and maybe doing a twelve hour tour and coming back. But how long was your commute? So to Massachusetts, it was like four hours. Okay. So I used to leave my house one thirty, two o'clock in the morning to be there for seven a.m. Okay. Um, so that tells me a lot about your character. Right. One, two. It tells me a lot about your perseverance and dedication to want to do something that you care so much yeah. about. Um, not too many folks could do what you're doing. No, it, it, I, I want to say it was tough. And, yeah. You know, it, yeah, it was. What, what kind of pressures yeah. did I put on your family life? Uh, um, a lot, a lot. Yeah, I was away for you know a couple of time, a couple of days here, a couple right. of days there. So um, it started working really well for me because uh, there was actually a guy in New York. Um, his wife was going to Columbia, so he oh. was on a different shift to me. So we could switch shifts, and, and they were good with that. And right. yeah, so everything was good but that helped a little bit. So you sort of do like uh, three days on, a couple of days off, then like two or three days on again, and then you have a week off. So it worked out pretty well. And in that five years that you were, you know, in that transitional period, getting your citizenship, trying to find a job, I mean, what type of jobs did you do in between? So uh, anything from, uh, I worked at Dick Sporting Goods as, you know, just a, a sports shop assistant, basically. Right. Um, I worked in a steel shop for a year, uh, doing some fabrication. Wow. And, and listen, I had no experience at all. I just right. yeah, was lucky enough to get a job there. And then I did sort of insurance inspections, uh, yeah, working for insurance companies, going out to different areas, wow. commercial buildings, you know, households, just doing insurance inspections, just to you know, make ends meet at the end of the day. So. And during this time, you know, your, your end goal was still to get back into the fire service, right? It, it was still yeah. to get back in. So well, it I, tough. Yeah, I I applied to Tom's River um, initially and because I didn't have my citizenship I wasn't able to become a member. And you're um, speaking about the volunteer fire department of Tom's River? Volunteer right? Right. Tom's River. So as a sort of shortfall um, I know the American side of things you know from being overseas was very medically based so uh, I went and got my EMT. Smart. Um, so I was a member of Eastover for a couple of years. Um, learn a lot, some really great people there. Yeah. Um, and I've been very fortunate that I've worked with some you know, fantastic people, yeah. everybody that's helped out. And yeah, so I'd like to thank everybody for that too. But. And that's important that you're doing that to, to thank everyone. But I mean, you know, we're looking at your story as pretty remarkable. Uh, not a lot of people would would have that type of per perseverance to stay with something so long and then to make that that jump across the puddle must have been, yeah. it was, been trying. It was uh, very different initially. Um, it's little things that you don't even think of, sort of things like, uh, yeah, your meal time's different. Right. You know, you know, so your breakfast is at a different time. Yeah, your lunch is a different time. Your sleeping pattern's a little bit different. Right. But, and I wasn't able to do anything for six months, so I was coming from two jobs down to nothing. And yeah, it was summertime, so it was great, but. Right, because you can't initially work. In can't initially work until right. you get, yeah, until you sort get of, card, uh, right. yeah, yeah. So you get a social security number and then you, you get a green card and yeah. And what, what was that process like for you? I mean, because not a lot of folks know that process. Yeah, um, it was it was tough. Uh, we actually hired a lawyer, so we made sure everything went smoothly. Okay. Um, 
They wanted to know a lot of different stuff, a lot of different background stuff. So a lot of photos were taken, a lot of information was taken, a lot of forms were filled out. Um, we actually had an immigration interview. Okay. Um, I had to have an immigration physical. Um, yeah, just to make sure that yeah, my health wasn't. I know a, a little bit problem. about that because I watched 90 Day Fiance, right. so I get to see a little yep. bit about that in the uh, interview process. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I, so I got I got tested for HIV, right. and yeah, my whole physical was done, and you, know, you have to pay out of pocket, obviously. But right, what you was that? What was that cost? To, to what was the? So I think it was like uh, the actual physical was like 140 dollars. I mean, the total cost. What would you? What oh, would you so estimate it as um, with the lawyer involved and everything like that. Um, and obviously, you know, not everybody gets a lawyer involved, and we got a an immigration lawyer involved. Right. Um, I would want to say like nearly four thousand dollars. Wow! So yeah, yeah, it's not it's not a cheap process, yeah. but yeah, they handled a lot of the different stuff. Yeah, I'm sure it's very technical. Yeah. You know, you yeah. have to have someone that yep. knows what they're doing with that yeah. type of thing. Yeah, right. Filling out the right paperwork and stuff like that. So, so, so you joined Tom's River Fire Fire Department. You got into that. Talk to I me did. about that process. So a lot of the certs that I had from uh, the, the American side of things uh, in England right. could actually be used in for the American side of things oh, too. So, so you know, firefighter one, firefighter two. I had um, just had to get you know familiarity with the packs and stuff. Right. Yeah. Right. You because know, I'd never used Scott before. Okay. So you know, every base I'd worked at was. MSA, MSA or Inspiro right. or you know, the uh, English sets were Draeger. Draeger, so, right. Yeah, and again, personal preference, uh, it is what it is, but right. yeah. Um, and then I started training with a lot of those guys, you know, doing drill nights every you know, Tuesday nights. And again, fantastic leadership there. Um, training department in Tom's River is oh, yeah. Yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal, right. Um, yeah, so a lot of different people taught me a lot of different stuff. A lot of classes I attended. Right. Um, and yeah, being a volunteer is totally unique in itself, I've got to say, because, right. you know, the amount of time and, and energy and effort that you actually give up to you know, for the time that you serve your local community and you, you know, you're not getting any paycheck or anything like right. that. You know, middle of the night, you're getting up on your own. And, oh yeah, yeah. It's, and it's, it's tough, it's still absolutely. tough. I had to give the EMS side of things up because, you know, volunteering is just- Yeah, it's too much. Plus full-time job and- And this alone, I mean, you're talking, you're doing a 48 here. We do 48, 96s, yeah, so. So that's 48 away from your family already. 40, yep. On top of that, now you have yep. your, your volunteer time. So it's daunting and, and uh, you know, your daughter's playing uh, football. Yeah, my, my, my son and proper daughter. Proper football. Yeah, proper football. Well, we so, call soccer. Soccer, right, yeah. Right. Uh, I, you know, and I've just re-enlisted as being a coach again. Oh, wow. So, yeah. uh, and I, I actually play myself too. So, yeah, there's not much time. Yeah, no. It's like yeah, a, it's family like time's important, but yeah, it's it's, it's a juggle. It's act. tough. It really Definitely. is tough. So, walk me through what it was like for you when you first got your citizenship and you became a firefighter full time and, and you know now you're here and your family's in the UK. Talk to me about that. Um, it's definitely tough uh, having all my family still overseas, um, especially with the COVID. We were supposed to go back uh, last April right. and uh, COVID hit you know, everything and, yeah. you know, and uh, my dad's not of a uh, uh, Health-wise, he's not able to travel very f much anymore. So yeah. yeah, I haven't seen my dad in person for like six years. Oh wow! Um, my mum and my sister come over all the time, but yeah, he wasn't able to travel. So we actually went back for Christmas, and that's the first time I've actually seen him for oh, six years. Nice. So yeah, and I got 
with some of my friends and colleagues, and yeah, it's good to go out. And yeah, wherever you go in the world, uh, firefighters, fire departments all like to socialize, all like to have a few alcoholic drinks, or something like that. Yeah, so. <laughs> well, actually, one of the first questions I asked you when we first met was, hey, is it true that the, the beer is warm, warm yeah, yeah. in the UK? And, and you schooled me on that. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, but, but again, I, you know, what I love about the fire services is just what you said. So I'll, I'll just mimic what you said. And that is that whether it's in the UK or the US, yep. um, the bond, the relationship the fire department has, yep. uh, the brotherhood, just here this morning, yep. you know, uh, we, we, uh, we broke bread with you guys and, and we had we had breakfast yep. here. And it, it's just so nice to have that type of communication. And, yep. you know, every firehouse kitchen table, we always have almost the same conversation no matter yep. where, you're, where you're at. You can uh, solve world problems. Absolutely. We, we think we can table. anyway. Yeah. We try yeah. to. Yeah, we, we do every day. But <laughs> So in your opinion, what would be... Uh, the vast difference between firefighting in oh. the UK and firefighting here in, in the US? Um, so one of the major differences is obviously uh, building materials. Uh, and, and you guys will laugh at this, but uh, yeah, they always say everything's bigger in, in the US you know, in general. Right. So initially when I first moved over here, I went to New York. And uh, I've got to say, like walking around New York, uh, I had the stiffest neck for like three or four days because your head's always up. You know, right. you're looking at these, you know, magnificent you know monstrous buildings and and then yeah you go to like the like the tom's river sort of area and yeah so i i, I was actually saying to a couple of people i was like uh, is that a big shed yeah because no houses in england are made out of wood no kidding so i was like yeah is that a big shed and, and no it's a house and yeah i didn't realize that the houses over here wow. were made of wood so you know that was one of the biggest that's so interesting yeah because everything over there is brick concrete right. or you know yeah so um, so your typical residential home in the uk is how big um it depends you, you get a lot of uh, older like row houses uh, we call them terrace houses over there okay um uh, or you get like a, a detached or a semi-detached which basically uh semi-detached is like two houses together a detached obviously it's a house on its own right um you're probably looking at my the house that i had uh, on the uh edge of the city it was probably to you guys, is standard probably uh, 1,200 square feet. Oh, wow. I would say, yeah, just a small terrace, two yeah. bed, yeah, one bath. And that's average. That's I would say that's average for it. Yeah, so you go to yeah. Tom's River, certain sections of Tom's River, you have between four and six thousand square feet. Yeah, like but mansions. I'm like, oh, look yeah. at the size of this place, you know. And yeah, again, size of the buildings is right. Yeah, is is a, a great difference. Um, and then so yeah, you go into like tactics is a little bit different, you right. know. Um, the UK side of things uses a lot of high pressure, uh, high pressure hose reels. Okay. Um, whereas over here, you know, it's, it's different. Um, bar pressure, PSI, you know. Oh, that's right. Try and make it simple for, you know, firemen. Uh, right, right. So, you know, bar pressure is so simple. Uh, PSI is a little bit more, you know. Right. A little bit more math uh, orientated. But Speaking of John Novak, I mean, John I, I Novak, can't think yeah. of a better uh, pump instructor. Oh than him. Yeah, 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 he's he's great. Absolutely, really great. yeah. And the experience there is just you know phenomenal. Yeah. Which will lead me right into Tom's River. Um, how, how's that experience been for you being on the fire department, Tom's River? Um, really good. Yeah, really good. Um, so I've done a load, a ton of different classes through those. You know, RIT, RIT training. You know, uh, they've got obviously the training center there, which you know they offer a, a ton of different oh, yeah. classes. Great school. Yeah. And so I did a, a, a vehicle extrication class with them, and I was pretty versed on it. I would say because we get a lot of MVAs, RTCs, you know, whatever you want to call them overseas. Um, obviously, well, again, high speed crashes there too, right? Yeah, a lot, a lot of smaller speed. vehicles, but yeah, higher speed. Right. Uh, a lot of smaller roads over there. 
Um, but the, one of the biggest differences is, yeah, obviously, again, going back to the everything's bigger in America, yeah, the bigger vehicles, right. you know, everything's mainly bigger, yeah, because of the price of fuel and, and what people can afford in, in the UK, a lot of people have got smaller vehicles. Right. So, whereas here, you know, you got bigger trucks. So, doing the extrication course there was a real eye opener for me because, you know, you're training on different stuff. You know, cribbing, a step chop could do most of right. the, the cribbing for the UK no side kidding. of things. Oh, wow. Whereas, you know, you've got. Here you're doing stacks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah stack so, airbagging stacks. Yep. Right. Yep. So, yeah, definitely a big so, difference. Um, it's really interesting to talk to you, Adam, because you know you have such a, a unique experience that most yep. don't have, and, and certainly no one that we've ever had on the show. You know, leading up and in, into where you're at now, if you could, if you can summarize your experience thus far and where, how far you've come, and the obstacles you've had to overcome to get to your position now as captain. Congratulations on that. Thanks. Um, what, what would you say overall your experience has been? Um, I'd like to say. Totally off the bat, very positive experience everywhere I've been. Um, I've learned a lot from a lot of different people. Um, I'm working with different aircraft, you know, because we're on the off side of things here. Right. And then working with different departments and different personnel in Tom's River, doing different training, you know, uh, has made my life more successful right. and more complete with, you know, with everything going on. Um, when it comes to the training, uh, I want to say that some of the training I've got, you know, through the Air Force, through Tom's River, you know, through South Carolina, you know, through MOD, yeah, you name it, uh, it's, it's been some of the best in the world. I've got to say, you know, and I'm not playing anybody's trumpet there. You know, sure, sure. It's, it's been it's been some great stuff. Yeah, I mean, just work for the Air Force alone is amazing. I mean, yeah, know, all the yeah. opportunity and yep. professional and amazing this organization is on its own, you know, it's got to be, it's pretty cool, especially yeah. it's close to home too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> not, yeah, not, yeah. You don't have that I'm four not, hour I'm not, yeah, anymore. I'm not that far away, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's 45 minutes to an hour, so. Yeah. Uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. I mean, uh, your story is so unique and, and uh, so, honestly, it's moving. You know, uh, for me, when we started talking, you told me your story. I was like, man, that yeah. is a story not only I want to hear, but I think everyone should hear your story because uh, I think what it does is it tells people that, you know, you, if you want something bad enough, you, yeah. you draw it forward and you get it. And you're a great example of that. Yeah. You just never give up. So uh, I, the one regret I have is if I was still on the fire department in England, I'd probably have two years left. No kidding. Um, uh, yeah, listen, that is what it is. That, that's my choice. Uh, any other regrets? Not at all. That's no. great. Don't, don't regret moving over here at all. You know, don't regret trying as hard as I did to get on everywhere. And, and uh, the, uh, the job I'm in now, uh, I applied three times, three or four times. No uh, kidding. Uh, interviewed three times and you know, there's better people out there. So, you know, I, I accepted that and, and it is what it is. But yeah. Well, eventually, you know, your, your button gets pushed and, and it yeah. happens for yeah. you. And that, that's what happened with, with you. And that, that's that's good. And some of the guys sometimes still don't understand me. <laughs> you know, where's the close captions? Yeah, where's the chalkboard? You know, but uh, yeah. Hey, listen, I, it, it was a, it was a great experience to talk to you. I mean, um, I, I I for one appreciate our friendship outside of this, and, uh, and and it was really fun to really hear your story for real. You know, yep. uh, where everyone else can enjoy it as well. So yeah, I hope so. Hey guys, as we close up here in Atlantic City, New Jersey, Adam, it's been an awesome experience. Um, I mean, we're standing in front of an F-16, so yep. it really doesn't get any better than that. Um, what better way to close the show by? Um, Talk to me a little bit about your experience here being involved with the military. Right. Um, it's a great experience here. Um, obviously, I, I'm a US citizen now. Um, 
and it's awesome being able to you know, work with the, the military department and, and you know work with F-16s and you know the the the, the, uh, the feeling that you get just standing in front of one of these uh, aircraft is phenomenal you know and knowing that we can do something to help the military is is absolutely great so right. um, super excited uh, for the interview super excited to still be working here and uh, listen we get to do this nearly every other day so yeah it's great yeah. It really is good I can tell you from uh, my perspective and also talking to John Anderson um, here being part of your day uh, you know with the Air Force and obviously being in front of F-16 and the firehouse uh, it gives me a sense of pride as an American and uh, yep. a sense of pride of being involved in something so awesome and it definitely a first for the show to be uh, standing with the uh, you know, men and women are serving our country. It yeah. certainly uh, yeah. it means a lot to me. I know a lot it means a lot to John too. So, I can't thank you enough for this opportunity and experience. And my hope is that when people watch the show, they they get a sense of what you went through, yep. some of your trials and tribulations to get to the point you're at. Um, but I think it also tells people that you just never give up. Yep. You know, fight for what you want, Definitely. like you are. And I'd like to thank all the military personnel uh, here today, you know, overseas, you know, um, protecting and serving the country as they do. And listen, I've never been in the military. I'm lucky enough to work on this installation. So, right. yeah, it's phenomenal. And uh, thank you for every day for everything you do. Awesome. Everybody. And, and uh, I, I'm, I'm going to mimic you say thank you to all our servicemen and women uh, every day doing what they do to keep us free. And I think people forget that nowadays, yeah, but um, they need to remember that, uh, that that flag represents freedom yep. and that's only because of the, the men and work men and women that do that work each and every day uh, especially those folks yep. in the background that don't oh, get yeah. appreciated like they yep. should folks thank you so much for this opportunity being on atlantic city new jersey at this installation we have a lot more coming at you stay with us god bless Thank you for listening to another episode of Pin the Q podcast brought to you by Pin the Q Productions. Visit us at www.pintheq.com.